Today's episode of Transform Your Workplace is brought to you by Zenium HR. Learn more about Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution at zeniumhr.com. Well, are you ready to take your team to the next level? Because in this episode of Transform Your Workplace, I have a conversation with Natalie Dawson. She's the co-founder of Cardone Ventures and the author of Teamwork, How to Build a High-Performance Team. We talk about the employee life cycle from hire to fire to promotion. She's got some really great insight on how to build a high-performance team. You're going to get a lot out of this. Cardone Ventures is a very fast-growing organization, and she had to scale her team up really fast. And she gave us all the insight as to how she's developed her team. And I think you're going to get a lot of great info on this. So I hope you enjoy. Make sure to connect with Natalie. She's got a great following on Instagram and she puts out lots of great content. So I think you get a lot of value from following her there. And then make sure to connect with me. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. Enjoy today's episode and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Hey, Natalie, it's a pleasure to have you on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to talk about your book today, Teamwork, How to Build a High-Performance Team. This came out, I think, last November. So it looks like the responses of this book have been fantastic. You got over 250 five-star ratings on Amazon. So it's a very popular book. But you, you know, you, in the intro of the book, you had wrote that creating a business through people is one of the most difficult things you can do. Why do you believe that? Well, I mean, if it was based on robots, it would be so easy to run a business, right? If like people, all they did every day, all day was just do what you ask them to do when you ask them to do it, eat, sleep, breathe your business, like that would be really easy. But people are dynamic. And so how do you figure out the balance in your leadership style and your culture between this idea of like, I need to get the target hit, I need to have the mission accomplished, we have to do something, we have to create a financial impact here, while tempering that with people are people and they have goals and they have differences in opinion of sometimes the owner or the leader and they have different aspirations. They don't just eat, sleep, breathe your business. They have just other things going on in their life, sometimes things that are really traumatic and difficult. So it's figuring out what are the boundaries inside your culture to still accomplish the target and keep the main thing the main thing. It is a business while also creating this environment that people actually enjoy and feel like they are pushing themselves inside. And if you don't really think with the culture piece, you can pretend like people are just robots and they will hit the targets, but it, it really just doesn't work out like that. And those are some of the worst cultures that people have experiences with. And then there's burnout and lack of engagement and all of those other issues. It was interesting in, in the intro, you gave us some stats about Cardone Ventures, your co-founder partner there. In your first full year of business, you generated $16.4 in annual revenue. The second year on track to hit $40 million. I think at the time you wrote this book, I don't know what the stats are now, but you had 66 team members at the time. So I'm seeing a lot of scale there. Uh, what infrastructure, resources, team dynamics did you have in place to scale to that size? I mean, that's, those are pretty good numbers. 
Yeah, and you want to get your mind blown. We are at 182 team members as of today, and we just closed our month. We just closed our biggest month in the history of our company. We did $6.8 million in revenue in the month of August, which will allow us to hit our target of $75 million in revenue this year. So yes, lots of scale. And I feel like I'm a very just efficient person. You know, my, my book is very efficient as well. There's not a lot of fluff. And I try to think with scale while also talking about this people component. So for me, it's been, how do you get processes in place in this game? I play a game every single day. How do I get enough processes in place to give people guide rails, recognizing that we are going to have team member attrition because there's just no way we're going to be able to keep everybody on this massive 10x mission that we're on. There's not everybody on this planet who is 10x. And that's one of our mottos in this organization. Our co-founder wrote a book called The 10x Rule. It is a great book. It's one of my favorites. Changed my life. But so people come into our environment, they think that they want to be 10x or maybe they are 10x and turns out that they're not. So it's just been this massive game of how do you just get two steps ahead of the culture with processes and systems so that if people do leave and, and quite honestly, when they do leave, you are not beholden to them. You don't get to 180 employees with everybody staying. Uh, And so I've been more process oriented and really had to focus on that over the last three years while finding those moments to and ways to inject real culture and real care and empathy into this business that processes break every two months because it's, there's so much flow of new customers that it feels hard for the team. Like I'm, I'm very transparent about that with, with our team members. So it has been a lot of focus on process while balancing this other like very people centric side. Yeah. Give me some insight. I was not going to ask you about this, but since you grew to that size, I'm curious. I mean, if you're growing to 180 people in that short amount of time, you obviously have some processes in place that give us some insight on your hiring process. And how, how do you keep an entire pipeline of talent coming in the door like that? Yeah. So I was responsible for recruiting our first 50 team members and that was like stabilized 50. So we kept getting, we would hit the 50 mark and then we'd have some team member transition. And so we actually had to hire, I hired personally 80 people in order for us to get a stabilized 50. And at that point that was last April. So a year and three months ago, four months ago. And now we have, we've actually only, we only have two recruiters. uh, And one of the recruiters is now the director of HR. So she has some additional responsibilities. I'm efficient. Like I, I ask five questions on the first interview. They're the same five questions every single interview. I'm looking for people who are goal-oriented. I'm looking for people who understand where our organization is going and who have the attitude and willingness to just go all in. In the second interview, we're going into more of the technical side of the job. And I think one thing that's made us very successful in hiring people is really having them actually do the work ahead of time so that we know hey, on day one, this person who's a videographer actually knows how to shoot a video or this person who's responsible for our AR department actually knows how to like reconcile our financials or chart of accounts. And then this last piece with our core values, like we just, the three-step interview process, we truncate it so that on the front end, when we're promoting that we're hiring, when we're promoting what our culture looks like, when we're promoting what successes people are having, they have transparency and visibility into what we're doing. I think a lot of businesses make this mistake of they take this long process that the candidate isn't really aware of what they're doing and they don't have urgency. We have a significant amount of urgency because we know what our process is and then we promote what the process is. And the other thing is it makes it really easy to find great people when your philosophy as an organization is people make more money working with you than everybody else. 
So as a business, how do you create a service or a product where people can get paid more than they could get paid working down the street for your competitor? Do you think the the brand that you guys have created, Grant Cardone, very popular, I'm sure it strikes a chord with a lot of people, including yourself, that probably want to go work for Cardone Ventures, right? Talk about the importance of the brand and, and continuing a pipeline of talent that are literally knocking on the door, probably wanting to work for you. Yeah, you know, we didn't have that at first, to be honest. I know we live in a similar area. Our business was founded in Washington State. It's not like people were knocking at our door in order to work for us before, probably before six months ago, that, that there was like this pivot that took place and we kind of watched it happen in our business where we would get more inflow. But you have to be willing to spend money in order to get the talent that you're looking for. And so, we were spending money and we were spending a lot of energy. I was personally recruiting. And so with that, you know, people do want to be part of the brand, but for small businesses out there that are looking to grow their talent pool, you have to be really clear on where the organization is, is growing, but also like every single day, still to this day, I promote crazy, awesome things that our team gets to do. And that creates our pipeline. If you're only promoting for your customer in order to acquire a new client or a new patient or, you know, whoever your end consumer is, you're really missing the biggest part of the scaling game because yes, you need the customer, but you also need the team. And if you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to start promoting our culture and our team. A lot of business owners I work with, they get stuck there because they have shitty cultures and they haven't paid much attention to their team. And so if you know you're going to promote something, then you put energy and attention into, well, what is it about this culture that I would want to promote? Well, I know Natalie wants to promote that people make money. Our recruiters make money through selling stuff. That's a really cool part of our organization. Recruiters will make more money through selling a product or service than they actually do through their recruitment side of their job. And that benefits the business. So business owners need to be smarter about, okay, if I know I'm going to promote this, how do I actually create the culture that I would want to promote? And then you're going to have a better talent pipeline because people want to work for a company where it's there's cool stuff happening and they can make money. Bringing them in the door is one thing, recruiting them, but keeping them and making sure that you have a high performance team is a whole different ballgame. In the book that you outline an employee engagement cycle, I like how you outline this. What are the phases? Yes, the employee engagement cycle. So for those of you who are listening to this, imagine a three-part wheel. And at the top of this wheel is this alignment phase. So that's really the first introduction into your business, telling people who you are, what you're promoting, exactly what I've been talking about, and then aligning them on probably the first anywhere between 30 to 90 days in the organization. The second phase, second part of that wheel is going to be the development cycle, which most team members are stuck in something that I like to call development purgatory, meaning they've been a front office person for over three years. They've been stuck as a recruiter for a year and a half. They, they're just sitting in the same exact role, even though the business owner is like, I want this business to grow. Why don't people care more about helping me instead of just like being a drag on me? Well, they're not really thinking with why is the recruiter going to actually help you if the recruiter doesn't know what transition, which is the third part of the wheel, looks like. So how do you create this process in your business where people are really clear on how to align with where your business is going and who you are? Then why they need to be the best at that, which is that development phase. Like why is somebody going to show up for nine months straight doing the exact same thing every single day? Well, it's ideally because they know what transition looks like so they can either get paid more, have more responsibilities, have a different title. And then once they do transition, 
in a new role, you have to realign with what the objectives of that role are, what your new responsibilities are, and then you're going to develop yourself again in order to get to the next role. So these cycles, this wheel should just continue. And that's how you create a high performance culture in our organization. Over 25% of our team members have already moved from the first role they started with us in into the senior, if not the director role that is two steps ahead. And it's because we told them on their first day, Hey, this opportunity is available to you. And that's what creates this like performance side while your business is, is scaling and growing because you're pointing people to why they need to be the best. Ideally, why they're selling and getting more customers to your business. And you're, you're taking more responsibility around teaching people how business actually works and how your team members can participate and contribute to that. Do people or teams ever get stuck within this cycle that you've outlined? Totally. We have a handful of team members right now who I can tell through our daily all team call that they're disengaged. I can tell that they're just not fully in. And at this point in our organization, we can handle maybe 10% of our team just like kind of being stuck there, but still fulfilling a role. But when you're early on in your business, if you have less than 25 team members, you can't have three or four people that are just okay with staying in the role that they're in because you need the growth to come from somewhere. And I always like to think, you know, would I rehire this person? And if I say to myself, I probably wouldn't rehire this person, then that conversation needs to take place. Hey, this really isn't working for us any longer. And we're not shy to, to let people go when we know that we wouldn't rehire them. Let's hone in on the employee alignment phase. I think this is a really important phase. And oftentimes I think alignment even starts before somebody's hired. Personally, I mean, I, I think like they're checking out your website, they're looking at your content, they're seeing if they fit the culture. How can an employer set themselves up to hire people that actually align with their business before they even walk in the door? One of the best things employers can do is be really clear about financial transparency. Like if people, that's why I told you how much revenue we did last month. If you are a responsible business owner, you know your numbers and you have confidence that people can make money working in your environment. At the end of the day, people are not there to have some happy, like wonderful job. They're there to make money. If you are clear on what your financials are, it's shocking how many business owners have no idea what their P&L looks like. And they, they haven't looked at their balance sheet, maybe ever. They might be running their business off of tax returns. So in the promotion of the business, while somebody's aligning with you, think about your talent like a professional sports team. The best athletes on the face of this planet want to know what their free throw percentage is. The best athletes on the face of this planet want to know what their batting average is. Like they are looking at those numbers. And so that is the exact same thing as the financial indicators in your business. And so when you're talking about this as you're promoting it, those people who you are actually looking for are more likely to join you. But then you have to ask yourself, well, why aren't they joining me? If I have just all disengaged team members, it's probably because you're not looking at your financial you're not promoting that you're winning. And if you're not winning and then you don't feel good about promoting it, it's probably, it's like this, it's this vicious cycle that just continues. Uh, and so the first thing I would do is say, like, you need to get financial transparency. You need to promote the wins that are taking place so that you're attracting people who want to put a score on the board, who want to help you take it to the next level, but also trust that you are responsible enough to be ethical in the way that you're running a business. The definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who takes on greater than normal financial risk. It's not somebody who has an idea. It's not somebody who can create teams. It's not a leader. It's somebody who creates or who takes on greater than normal financial risk. And yet, if you're not looking at your financials and that isn't really a point of focus for you, you're going to miss out on the whole people game because high-performing talent want to be around people who really understand those things. 
You talk about mission, vision, value, and the importance of aligning people using those tools. In what ways are you sharing those, communicating them regularly so it sticks with people and they they continue to understand that, hey, I, I fit, I align, I, I'm going in the same direction as the business is going? Yeah. So we do it in the same boring way that most businesses do it. Like right outside my office here, there's like our core values that are actually hanging on the wall. Like those things visually, I do think are important. However, we also do this in other creative ways. So every day, our entire organization joins a daily all team meeting. And at the end of this meeting, we have a team member take open one of our books that's been written by either myself or one of our co-founders and they open up the book and they like scroll through the pages and, and somebody will say, stop. But the person who gets to read from the book is somebody who won the core values award that week. So for five days on this all team call, they get to be acknowledged for having demonstrated one of Cardone Ventures core values. So it's a peer nominated program that's happening every single day. So somebody talking about discipline or transparency or alignment. And then additionally on that daily team call, one of the things that we're touching on every single day is the wins from our clients. And our mission at Cardinal Ventures is to help our clients grow their businesses and achieve their personal, professional, and financial goals. So when our clients have successes with us, we are drawing our team's attention to, hey, Joe grew his HVAC business by $500,000 after attending one of our programs, and he's all in on his leadership development now. When they hear those wins, it's a reminder of, hey, why are we here? Oh, yeah, we're here to help business owners grow. Oh, and we're actually actually doing that. And so it's infused in every part of that daily all team meeting. Uh, and then we have other touch points, but I would say that's like the main way that every single day we're all getting back on the same page about, Hey, why are we here? The employee development part of the cycle, you opened up this section. It was so funny. You said, congrats, you officially hired your first new team member aligned with your mission, vision, and core values. It's now on us to make sure we don't fuck this up. <laughs> It's the truth, right? It's it's the truth. The employee development phase seems to be one of the hardest things to do. How do you how do you recommend employers or hiring managers they effectively onboard someone for the first week, 90 days? It's challenging, especially in this environment right now where you may have remote workers and whatnot. So give us the the lay of the land with onboarding. I need to come up with a better analogy for this, but the analogy I've been using recently is like, I view our onboarding process similar to what people who pledge for sororities or fraternities go through, like that hazing process. I view it with the same level of intensity. Now I get that hazing, you know, people like there's like a lack of ethics there. There's nothing unethical about the way that we onboard people, but I use that analogy to, to really demonstrate the intensity that we bring to employee onboarding. In the first four weeks of onboarding with our organization, we have people read one book every single week. Most people don't read a book in a year. And so we're like, we're resetting what somebody is expecting with us so that we can weed out people who aren't serious. And we feel really good about that because we want the people in the environment to know that we're only accepting and only wanting a plus talent. And so if there's a book that has changed my life, if there's a book that's changed our other co-founders life, we think it would be important for our team members to have that same information and knowledge. And we're doing that at a very rapid speed to say like, Hey, can you kind of keep up with what this environment is going to look like? Employee onboarding can change from organization to organization, but I really like to approach it as how can you get people as efficiently and quickly as possible, the information that they need while also 
over-delivering from a self-development standpoint so that they are a different person at the end of that four weeks. And if they are like, this is too much, I can't take this. Well, then they probably weren't a good fit to begin with because we're we're 10X around here. We have big goals, big aspirations. And if people are already worn out in the first four weeks, they're probably not going to last very long. The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone, Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone, a book called Beyond Positive Thinking by Dr. Robert Anthony. It really talks about somebody's belief lid and how to kind of reprogram potential negative thoughts that you might have. Uh, and then the last one is E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I love E-Myth. So it kind of hits on the growth, the sales, the mindset, but then also what we're doing here at Cardinal Ventures, which is creating a scalable model. What are PPF goals and how do they play a role in an employee's development? Oh my gosh. They play the most critical role. When I was, this is this comes straight from my husband, who's also a co-founder of the business, his philosophy in the business that he built last. He sold his last business in 2016. And, you know, it was a very sizable exit. And the the way that he created all of this value, what's most exciting about the exit was the multiple that was put on the business. And the multiple is an equation for how much value or how much something is worth, right? You're not going to pay a high multiple for something that doesn't have a lot of value. And so part of the value was how do you establish that with your team members and with our businesses team members, the real driver of any business is somebody's goals. And so I actually worked for my husband in that business. I was about 20 years old and I didn't really know what my goals were. And my supervisor asked me to write them down. I felt silly writing my goals down because at the time I couldn't imagine making more than $8 and 33 cents an hour. I was a hourly employee. I wanted to stop driving my 1993 silver Buick century. Like my goals were just that of a 20 year old. And so when this person, you know, asked me these goals, it it made me realize, Hey, I want to be shooting for something bigger. And when you recognize for the first time that you want more and that you could learn the skills necessary to create that life, you're likely going to do anything that you can in order to get that. If it's the thing that you really want. And most employers actually like flip this and they're like, here, just do this thing. And then hopefully you'll get what you want instead of saying, Hey, what do you want? And then how can I help you get there faster and to create success with you? And so we ask every single one of our team members, what are your personal, professional and financial goals? Because once we know what their goals are, we know how we're supposed to coach them. If somebody doesn't have very aggressive financial goals, I'm probably not going to hammer on them about areas of opportunity as I am somebody who's like, I want to double my earnings by next year. If they want to double, that that means they're going to have to add a lot of skill sets to themselves. And so we use this personal, professional, and financial goal documentation and this whole process in order to get the team members goals, create compensation plans, and what we call an employee maturity model to create a career path for them where we're really we're really hard on them. We expect a lot, but it's because they've already told us that they expect a lot from themselves. And if we know how to get there, we're giving them the tools that we had to go through in order to get to that next level. You wrote in the same section that you should create careers and not jobs. What do you mean by that exactly? And how does it align well with the business? We have dozens of team members who it was either their first job or was a fairly entry-level job through working in our organizations. And they've moved from making $50,000 a year to making a quarter of a million dollars a year through working alongside us. So it's not just about a job, which most people think is very transactional. It's a nine to five. I'm going to do these tasks. 
we're saying, hey, you could start here as a marketing coordinator and be a future partner and have equity in this business because you're all in with helping us solve our biggest problems. And so that's a career. That's like I'm I'm starting at one place and I'm moving into another. I'm not just stuck in that development purgatory like I was talking about earlier. So I don't think of anything as just like, oh, I don't want people thinking this is just a job here at Cardo Ventures. It's like, no, you have the opportunity to really be a part of something that changes the trajectory of your life. It's your career uh, through working here, but it takes us developing you, which we're willing to do, but we're only willing to invest in team members who show and demonstrate that they're willing to take criticism and to take feedback and to actually pivot and develop skill sets and read books and take courses so that they're ready for those opportunities instead of us having to hire outside of our organization, we would much rather promote then. The employee transition, that's the last part of the cycle. And just, I want some clarity on this. So transition, you would mean either they exit the organization or they transition into a newer role. So talking about your the career cycle, like you either move forward or you're stuck or you're exiting, right? Performance management is a layer in which we can continue to move people forward or out of the organization. In your opinion, because this is that a lot of people got a ton of opinions about performance management models, you know, performance reviews, one-on-ones, all that stuff. What's the best model? What's the most effective model for performance management? In a business that is growing rapidly, I think that context is important because 95% of businesses fail within the first 10 years and less than two thirds of businesses have more than one employee in the United States today. So if you're not just going to beat those statistics, but you're really going to be aggressive enough to say, hey, I want to grow this business and I want to make it a $20 million business, a $50 million business, I believe that you have to give as much feedback to the team that you are building as possible. So I am a huge proponent of one-on-ones on a bi-weekly basis that's giving a lot of feedback on initiatives, but also the development of that person tying into their their goals. And then on the performance management, we're more of a traditional mindset on, hey, strike one, you get told this probably isn't going very well. Let's fix this before it leads to strike two. Strike two happens. We're like, hey, this is more serious. Get HR involved. Strike three, you no longer have the opportunity to work here. So we move people through this process with the intention that they actually improve their performance. And I'd say out of all of the employees we've hired, probably 250 employees to get to our 180, out of everybody who's been on a performance improvement plan, we've probably had a 60% success rate of them getting on that plan and then becoming successful. But I, I would look at reevaluating that if it stopped working for whatever reason, but I'm pretty good with those numbers right now. With a performance improvement plan, what length of time are you giving people? It depends on the situation. I'm not trying to make it any longer than a month, but if they don't have opportunities, like we have a lot of events. We just, I, today it's a Thursday. I just come off of a seven day event stretch. If it's been four back-to-back events, seven days straight. And if the per, if the issue is relevant to somebody doing something at an event, they aren't able to keep up with expectations. They aren't completing something on time at these events. If I don't have another event for two weeks, I'm not going to make it a two-week performance improvement plan because I'm not giving them another opportunity to show if they've improved their behavior. So it really does depend on the type of work that that person is doing. It would never take longer than a month. I don't think that anybody needs longer than one month to fix some sort of behavior issue. And we do fire people fairly quickly once we know that they are not in alignment or they're not willing to do what it takes to stay in our culture because we have to show the rest of our team, hey, this this is not what we're tolerating around here. Because the lowest bar that you're setting is the bar that everybody else 
thinks is the expectation. And even though you're like, well, no, it's just this one exception. The bar is just this low over here. That's not the perception from your team. And so for me, it's this like cleansing of our culture to ensure that everybody recognizes, hey, we only allow A plus contribution. And if you are an A plus student, like you are welcome here and we will protect you and not have to have you deal with D minus students. I was an A plus student. I hated being paired in the group projects with the D minus students. You're picking up all the slack. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, thanks. Are you a fan of performance uh, reviews like annual or do you do it differently? We do annual performance reviews. Uh, We've had success with our annual performance review process over the last three years. We also use this in our previous management companies. It's fairly lengthy. Is it like a rating scale, like based on certain criteria or how do you structure it? It's based off of technical competencies, but then also positional competencies to ensure that somebody isn't just the best salesperson, but that they also have leadership and communication skills on the positional competency side. So we use the job description of the current role plus what the positional description is to rate people and give them feedback. And then also look at what the next role uh, competencies look like and say, like, how are you measuring towards what your target is? And it, it provides, you know, that time for us to be transparent. If the time comes where you've got to let somebody go, you got to exit them out of the organization. What, how do you do that? It's a, it's a touch, touchy subject. It's hard. It's difficult. It's emotional. Totally. My, my palms still sweat. Uh, I don't think that conversation ever gets easier, but um, we make it short and sweet. And at the end of the day, I just think with, you know, my goals, if Natalie is successful in the next 10 years, it is through what this organization has created. And this person is doing something that is anti that uh, outcome taking place. And so it becomes very personal to me uh, what the mission and the vision and the core values are. And if somebody is going to not be representation of those things, it's not ethical to me. Like my ethics are, I'm capable of, of being a part of this organization that really creates something remarkable. And if somebody doesn't help me and isn't willing to do that, but is supposedly on the team, it makes it easier for me to fire them. Cause I'm like, wait, they are like anti everything that Natalie is about if they're not willing to do this thing. Natalie, your book is called Teamwork, How to Build a High-Performance Team. Love the book. Uh, I love this conversation even better, though. I appreciate you for coming on the, the show. Last word, any, any parting things that you want to say to listeners or point them to whatever you want to point them to? I would love for the listeners to get a free copy of the book. You can go to cardoventures.com forward slash teamwork. That's cardoventures.com forward slash teamwork. And I would just encourage all listeners out there who are building teams, who are building businesses, don't give up. Just figure out this people game. It's not an endless amount of problems to solve. There really is a process and a system to put in place that makes it feel less random. And, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to feel like you just constantly get punched in the face by what feels random. And oftentimes it's really not random. And if you can figure out what your people process is, if you can figure out what you believe in as a business owner and be really clear about that, you're going to find that you can be successful as long as you're clear. So don't give up, keep pushing uh, and here for any business owner who wants to know how to take that to the next level. Natalie Dawson, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws. 
The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.